We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Welcome into the nightcap here on WGR. Zach Jones with you tonight, and it's it, you know it's a weird feeling going into the bye week. Usually, you're pretty excited for it, especially if your team's going good, because it usually means all right, everyone's going to get healthier. If you're a big football watcher like I am, it means oh, cool, like I get to just watch like everybody else play. Because if the Bills play at one o'clock until four, I'm pretty busy. And they don't have actually a ton of 4 o'clock games. It's, you know, if they're not at 1, they're on prime time. The Chiefs game is really like kind of the only one that they're going to have this year. I think they'll maybe have one more. But the bye week's kind of a weird feeling. But I'm glad the Bills have their bye week and the Sabres are playing meaningful hockey. Because they could have had their bye week last week of the year or the week prior. And it would have been preseason or just nothing really substantial. But at least now we've got something else to talk about in Buffalo sports. Because right now for the Bills, it's it's a lot of positives. There's still rumors going on about of is Odell Beckham Jr. you know signaling that he wants to sign for the Bills, even though he's mentioned or that there's reports that he's mentioned he wants a Michael Gallup contract, which is like five years, sixty million. I'm just gonna say right now the Bills are not gonna do that. That's not gonna happen, and the Chiefs won't either. Then, of course, Christian McCaffrey. Does that mean, though, that Singletary's got to go? Does James Cook have to go? There's, you know, there, there, there's some wrinkles in there, especially with the trade deadline being about two weeks away. That's big. There's some news there. But with the Bills on the bye week this week and, and coming off their best victory of the season and probably going to be the rest of the season until the playoffs, we have the Sabres to talk about. And they've been kind of fun again to start the season. This feels like the third out of four years in a row that they've like been pretty fun to see to start the season. But for them to carry on what was a well over 100-point pace to end last season into this season has been really, really nice to see. And then along with that, some of the new faces that are coming on to this Sabres team this year have been a blast to watch, along with some of the more notable veterans carrying on some great play from last year. So we'll dive into that to start tonight. And then next segment, I do, I want to jump into the NFC. We did reverse NFC power rankings today on Show on the Bulldog to, to finish up the show. And I, I kind of want to talk a little bit about how I, I just, I don't find a single one of those teams trustworthy. I, even the Eagles, who are undefeated right now, I don't find a single one of them trustworthy. And I kind of want to take a step back, not as a Bills fan, but just as an NFL fan, as a football fan. What are my big takeaways from the NFC? We'll do that as well. And then we'll talk a little bit about playoff baseball. The Yankees are going to get started up in just a little over a half hour. They're taking on the Houston Astros in Game 1 of the ALCS. And the Padres 
seven unanswered runs against the Phillies that game right now, seven to four late in the contest. But diving into last night's four to two win for the Sabres over the Edmonton Oilers, the Oilers, one of the most exciting teams in hockey, a lot of that due to the fact that they have two top five players in the sport, number one being Connor McDavid and then Leon Dreisaitl. There's a ton of top-end talent for that team, not a ton of depth, really. But the Sabres took them down. They were on the road. They're in a four-game out-west road trip. Not really the West Coast. It becomes the Coast, but at the, at the moment, it is not the West Coast. And the Sabres held on. And that's that's probably the best way to put last night's game. They held on. Because they were outshot, there was a ton, and I mean a ton of chances for Edmonton. They just couldn't put them away, and a lot of that is due to who I thought was the best player last night on either team, Eric Comrie. Sabres goaltender in his second start for the team. He lost his first start against Florida. I was at that game on Saturday, but yesterday he faced 48 shots. He saved 46 of them. He was spectacular. He was awesome last night. Never out of position. He didn't make a ton of crazy athletic saves. He was just, he was never out of position. He was exactly where you wanted your goalie to be. And he dealt with a lot of uh, mistakes from the Sabres team. They're still young. They're still clearly getting, they're getting better. They're getting more used to each other. And sometimes they press too much. But Comrie put up a spectacular performance yesterday. A performance that with the Sabres currently trying to figure out who actually is their starting goaltender, it was phenomenal to see. Because now you can sit back and kind of think, all right, I mean, you know, Anderson, over 40 years old, you don't, you, just, you just don't want him being the main guy, potentially having to play three times in a week. You just don't want that. So if Comrie can come in, who was an analytical darling, coming over from Winnipeg, had to back up Connor uh, Hollaback for, I think, three or four years, and only 27 starts in his career, it's exciting now to see that he has come in and looks every bit the analytical darling you wanted him to be. I mean, he had an all right game against Florida. It, it was fine. It wasn't terrible. I wasn't sitting there going, all right, you need to get him out. They lose three to four, or excuse me, four to three. And really, it was just the Sabres, and to a point, the refs, six power play attempts for Florida. They put away two of them. I think the last goal was probably the only one where he was out of position. The rest of them was just, eh. Defense was sloppy, and they're down a man. And he gives up a goal. The team still fought back. But Comrie was just spectacular last night. He was a big reason why I just I, I, I didn't turn the game off. I just, until I literally passed out during one of the intermissions... I just I was glued to the screen because I'm like, all right, like this dude's gonna keep us in this. Like I mean, Edmonton is just flying all over the ice, but he's gonna he's gonna keep us in it. Let's let's see what he's got, especially because like there that is a big storyline right now. Of okay, who's your starting goaltender? It's I don't want to be Anderson. I just I don't I think he's he's great for the team morale. I think he's a great veteran presence. I'm just I don't want a 41, 42 year old goalie as my starting goaltender. He can put up great numbers, but I'd much rather him be a backup, so that I know for a fact I'm probably going to get consistency from him. I know I'll get consistency from him. Where with Comrie, there is that feeling of could he be the next guy, along with one of the young goalies the Sabres have coming up. 
Devin Levi, Eric Portillo. He can be that sort, not even just bridge guy, but to move along with whoever wins that job. I think it'll be Levi of the two young guys, but he can be that continued presence of a really good backup. You feel really good about your goaltenders for years rather than for, well, you know, Thursday and Saturday I feel great, but then we're going to have to get this guy in on Monday and it's not going to go well. No, you don't want that. You want to feel good. And especially with this young Sabres team, that's kind of the one area that is consistently sort of just up in the air. It's a question mark is goaltender. You know, they have good goalie prospects. None of them are in the development system yet. None of them are on the Sabres yet. They're both still in college. So at least with Comrie, maybe this year he's the starter. Next year, starter with one of the young guys, and then it flips. And you can have that really, really good feeling continuing to move forward. But I do want to get your opinions on Sabres game last night, their first three games of the year, the rest of the West uh, the West Coast trip. I'm just going to call it West Coast. I'm just going to do it. I don't feel bad. I'm just going to do it. The rest of the West Coast trip, they face off against Calgary tomorrow, Vancouver on, I want to say, Sunday. And then they finish off with Van, or excuse me, then they finish off with Seattle. So tweet at me at Zachary Jones 198. I cannot take calls. I am solo doing this. So tweet at me. What have been your big takeaways from the Sabres' first three games? Again, it's only three games. You don't have a huge sample size, but they're two and one, and they've been in every single game. That Florida game, again, as I said, I was at it, and it did feel like there was a potential there that they maybe could have brought it in, that they could have actually pulled it off and won the game. Now, the last two minutes or so of the game kind of took that feeling away, but they look good. Now, last night, though, Tage Thompson with an absolutely filthy goal for his first of the year, and if he's going to start adding in a lot of skill to his offensive game, he's going to become so damaging for teams to play. With with his frame, the powerful shot he has, and then if he adds in a bit of skill, he is going to be such a pain to deal with for other teams. And that goes along with someone by the name of Rasmus Dahlin, who seemingly has developed, I'm not going to say an elite shot. I mean, he scored three goals to start the year. That's wonderful. But the fact that he has developed that kind of shot to where now, number he leads a team in goals. He has scored three goals, one in each game so far. And all of them have looked very impressive. They're not just tap-ins. They're not just, you know, right place, right time. No, he is firing these in close to the blue line. And he's converting. He has looked so good. He's looked just as confident as I think a lot of us were hoping he would coming into this year. Darlene has gone through periods of, of inconsistency, and it's seemingly just, just zero confidence. A lot of that comes from his coaching and stuff like that. But now, under Granado, he has carried in that second half from last year where he just he looked spectacular. And he's carried that in now to this year where he's got four points, looks poised, he's making... Just silly plays where you're just sitting there going, I mean, he's that good. He's that good. Like, you're, you're sitting back just kind of stunned going, I'm so glad he's on our team. It'd be so frustrating to play against that. And then, on the young guys, Jack Quinn, he sat last night for Vinny Henestroza, just, you know, their first road trip, and he's not playing particularly well. I mean, he's a rookie. He's, he's getting acclimated. The rookie, though, that has looked phenomenal, J.J. Paterka. Two goals so far. I want to say he has three points on the year as well. He has looked very good. And he put away a, um, a breakaway yesterday that you just sat there and went, okay. Like, he, okay, he's feeling himself. That's, I mean, that's how, that's how it felt. Is he's, just, he's, he's that talented. He's good. And he is that prospect 
that has this feeling, or at least the feeling that has been around him. If you ever talked, or if you ever listened to the Rochester coaches talk about him, or even Don Granato talk about him, that seems to be this player of just unbelievable un- untapped potential. That's the feeling everyone gives off is just like you haven't seen the best of this kid yet. And of course, you hear that a lot, and you're thinking, all right, like I mean, like how often do you hear that? Which it's fairly often. But then you see him play yesterday, or really to start this season, and he didn't have a great preseason by any means. He really wasn't even noticeable. And now he's come in this year, and he's one of the team's best forwards through three games. Consistently, he is driving play. He is absolutely going after the net. He's making very, very good passes. Him and Cousins seem to have a really good connection going on. And you're just like, oh, wow, Like he is good. And now you have to start, you know, sitting there wondering, like, is he going to be like involved in the Calder this year? Like we thought, you know, Owen Powers the obvious name. Jack Quinn was kind of like the fun, like little, like you know, throw it out there name. I I know our own Brayton Wilson in his bold predictions this year said that he thinks Jack Quinn was going to win the award. Now you've got to sit there and look at JJ Paterka and go, okay, like I I guess you threw your name in the hat. I I guess this is where we're going. And I, I, for me at least, to start the year, could they be better? Absolutely. The first two games, the first line was almost nowhere to be found. Tage Thompson was very, very quiet until last night. Jeff Skinner not really doing too much. Alex Tuck was doing pretty good. Uh, Owen Power, yesterday was probably his best game so far on the season. The other two, he he was making some silly mistakes, but he's 19. And now he's really kind of being told, like, hey, you're not just getting your feet wet up here. Like, you're you're here now. Like, and you're an important part to this team so he looked good Dylan Cousins continues to just be a grinder to, like I think that's kind of the best way I want to describe him is he just he, he get he gets his hands dirty but now he's starting to put together a bit more of an offensive profile that I really really like to see he had one shot last night that I, I thought for sure was going to be a goal I think it got deflected but it was a perfect pass he was right in front of the goal and just fired it in and, and you're just like all right he's here too Victor Olofsson, not too much. He put away two empty netters, and outside of that, he has been completely unnoticeable. But I I feel good about this team so far. I mean, of course, it's three games in, but so far I don't hate anything I've seen. They've been able to handle some pretty darn good teams. Ottawa is especially one of them who just put up seven against Boston. They held them to one goal on opening night. They lose to Florida. That's not too surprising. Florida was... You know, the President's Trophy winner last year. They got a little worse, but Matthew Kachuk is, you know, the unicorn of hockey. You know, and he may also be a villain now, which was fun. Being in that game, by the way, I didn't realize how much people were going to hate Matthew Kachuk. And then, like, by the second period, I was right there with everybody yelling at him. I Oh, he is a villain. I don't like the guy at all. Want him on the team. I still stand by that. I still absolutely stand by that. But he is annoying to deal with. And then you beat Edmonton. Now, of course, the, uh, the finish out their West Coast trip, they got three more games, Calgary, Vancouver, and Seattle. Van- excuse me, Vancouver is on uh, Saturday. Seattle is on Tuesday. And if they can... We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? 
Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. At a point from Calgary, I'll feel really, really good. But Calgary this year so far has looked spectacular. They're 3-0, and and they've seemingly dealt with the loss of, as previously mentioned, Matthew Kachuk, and Johnny Goudreau really, really well. Huberto's on the team. They signed Nazem Kadri, and they've looked good. They're 3-0 and through three games, obviously. And the teams they've beaten, Colorado 5-3, Edmonton 4-3, and Vegas 3-2. They've beaten very quality teams so far to start the year, and they've looked really good doing so. Kadri with four points to start the year, Stone with three points, Huberto with three points. They're doing very, very well. I think if the Sabres can somehow get a point there, I'm stoked. I'm happy. It's a late game, 9.30 tomorrow. So we'll actually have an extended uh, nightcap tomorrow as well as we lead you into Sabres pregame at 8.30 tomorrow night. Then they get Vancouver. I think Vancouver is a team they can beat. But Elias Pettersson has been on a tear to start the year. He's at six points. But the team is yet to register a win. They're 0-3-1. I like their odds there. And then they finish off with Seattle who's 1-2-1. And And Seattle, to me, still gives off the stench of an expansion team. And as a Sabres fan, I'm probably sitting there going, like, I should probably not have that feeling towards them. Like, I should should take them seriously just because of who the Sabres are. And I do. I'm just not... I'm not sold yet on Seattle being, like, a serious contender. And I really like the young play from the Sabres. And it does feel like they're a team that is... They're number one. They're learning how to win, Absolutely. But they're, they're facing adversity. They're being tested. They're playing some of the best teams in hockey. And I'd hope that they would finish off their West Coast trip really, really well because I love what they come home to to finish off the month of October. I love what they come home to. Montreal, Chicago, Detroit. That is a great final stretch of the month. I'm not saying I think they're going to have one loss in the month, but after how I've seen them play against Ottawa, Florida, and Edmonton, I think they'll lose to Calgary, but I'd love to see him get a point, drag that game to overtime, play a little dirty, kind of like he did against Edmonton. Don't let him run. You know, stick with him. Really make it difficult for him to do stuff. Vancouver, I think you should beat. Seattle, I think you should beat. Montreal, probably say the same thing. I think you should beat them. Chicago, I think you should beat. I think you should absolutely beat them. They're tanking for Connor Bedard. I think you should beat. You, you, you have to beat any team that is seemingly tanking. And then Detroit. Detroit's the big one. You've taken down Ottawa, another team that you're sort of like up in the air with. That you're the two fun young teams. Ottawa's very much the 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 picturesque version of that. Detroit's the other one. And if you can nab wins off of both those teams early in the season, that just that puts a good good end to a month that I think is going to go very, very well for the Sabres. I think how their goaltending has looked has been very, very good. Their young players are producing, and now with guys like, you know, Tuck is starting to get on the score sheet. Thompson gets his first goal of the season. I hope that kind of wakes him up a bit. Darlene, you're seeing how he's playing. I think Cousins, a big game is coming for him, I think. Like a multi-point game is coming for him, along with, I think that is the same with Paterka as well. I think we're getting close to him having a game where it kind of becomes a thing of, Oh, he's a guy you have to pay attention to, not just for Sabres fans, but for the national presence of you got to pay attention to this Paterka kid. He's coming, 
and he's and he's here already. He is going to be a guy all year you're going to have to deal with. And Detroit is going to be a benchmark game, a, a, a bit, an early benchmark game. You go into November after that, and you get Pittsburgh, Carolina, Tampa. The, that's going to be a tough run. You could lose all three of those games, and you could play well. But then you get Arizona, you get Vegas, which is which is going to be a get-up game. That's at home. It's a Tuesday, but you know for a fact the arena is going to be packed on that game. I think they're going to play really, really well there. But then you get Boston, Vancouver again, Ottawa again. And then they've got to have a good October. I, I said this before the season started. I thought they could have a good October. I think they're on their way. Now they've got to finish the job. You're doing well to start your road trip. You get a good win against maybe the toughest team you were going to play in Edmonton. Although now to start the year, I'd probably say Calgary's the toughest team. But you're well on your way to having a very, very good first month. And I like this coaching staff, and I like this team more than I have in the past few years. So part of me, it's it's just a feeling really, but a part of me now is sitting here going, if they start off hot with who the young team is, with who they are, I think that that could stay. I think they can ride that out and really build momentum for, them, for themselves, for the team, to really carry themselves. Not Maybe not to a playoff season, but to at least a successful one, a season in which we can all kind of feel pretty good about. But let me know, at Zachary Jones 198 let me know, what are your feelings so far on the Sabres as they start this young season? They're going to continue on their West Coast trip tomorrow night in Calgary against the Flames. It's at 9.30. So let me know what you think. We are going to take a quick time out. When we come back, we're going to transition over to football. I want to talk about the NFC side of the ball. Bills are on the bye week, and I, and I know the Eagles are undefeated, and I know the Vikings and the Giants each have one loss. But is there any trustworthy team in that conference? We'll talk about that when we come back here on the Nightcap on WGR. Welcome back to the Nightcap here on WGR. Spent last segment talking a little bit about the Sabres. I think they're doing pretty well to start the season. It's, it's young. It literally just started. Three games in, but so far they have not been disappointing, and some of their young players have really been showing out, including J.J. Paterka, and some of their new signings have been doing the same. Eric Comrie, 46 saves last night in the 4-2 win over the Edmonton Oilers. They play again tomorrow at 9.30 as they continue their West Coast trip against the Calgary Flames. Pre-game's going to start over at 8.30 right here on WGR. But we're going to flip the table a little bit and go over to football. Bills are on the bye week right now. We're not going to talk too much about the Bills. We'll do, we'll do that a lot more tomorrow. But tonight, I want to spend some time on the NFC side of the NFL. Because to end the show today, Mike Bulldog and I did the NFC reverse power rankings. We haven't done that in a few weeks. We decided to do it today. And a big takeaway from me. I, I like watching NFC football. I did a lot when I was younger. I, I was a big fan of watching Drew Brees and Aaron Rodgers. Uh, I was a big fan of Russell Wilson when he was first starting out as well. So I, I did watch a good bit of NFC football. So I, I do somewhat keep up with a lot of these teams. And I've been like kind of still keeping up on them. But of course now the Bills have become great. Like I just, in all seriousness, like it, the Bills have somewhat ruined football for me. I think there's like five teams that I can watch every week and just be thoroughly entertained. Bills, Chiefs, the Eagles this year, Chargers, and then whoever the worst team in the league is. Because I like to laugh. That's that's it. I just I like to laugh at, at, at bad football. But my big takeaway, as much as I said Philadelphia there, 
I don't think I trust a single one of these teams. I don't think at all. You, of course, have your just outright bad. It's Carolina, Chicago, Washington, Detroit. Detroit's disappointing. They're just outright bad. They're terrible. Carolina's at least fun bad. You know, their coach got fired. They've got like 15 different starting quarterbacks. You know all of their names. Christian McCaffrey and Brian Burns might be trade pieces. And even then, like, Christian McCaffrey's just fun to watch. So at least, you know, they're fun. They're, they're always in the news, right? Then you have teams like Chicago, where I said it during the, during the power games. It's disrespectful. That's how bad they are. We all were Justin Fields fans. It felt like everybody that was was like really into the draft were Justin Field fans. And when Chicago got them, myself included, thought, wow, that's going to be their first, honest-to-God, great quarterback in their franchise's history. Don't give me Jim McMahon. Don't do it. Don't give me Jim McMahon. So I was very excited for the Chicago Bears. And they've basically spat in my face since. I gave them credit. Because those who may not know, I'm not. I don't. I don't root for the Chicago Bears much. I have a lot of issues with them. Number one, as you heard, the whole Jim McMahon thing. I think a lot of people overrate him for his era. I think Walter Payton was great. I dislike Mike Ditka strongly. Number one, I think he's more of a caricature than a great coach. Yeah, I, I get. We'll, we'll we'll go on the Mike Ditka rant here. I guess now, I think he's an overrated coach. Who is more of a character? He's a character more than an actual coach. Buddy Ryan was really the big one in terms of like how good they were. It was the defense and just his explanation of not allowing Walter Payton to score in the Super Bowl just will never not irritate me to no end. And the fact that if you watch any documentary on the 1985 Bears, like two people will say a nice thing about him the entire time. It's 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 very strange. But so Chicago gets Justin Fields and seemingly, probably correctly because they've never had in their franchise's history, have no idea what to do. They have no idea what to do. Their offense is terrible. They basically don't pass the ball. And even now, as much as I am a Fields fan, he looks bad. He's missing easy throws or he's just not taking them. Then you go to Washington. Barely have to spend any time on that. That's a tire fire. It's now gotten to the point where Ron Rivera, who is a very well-respected coach in the NFL, has gotten to a point where most people, including myself, think, ah, let's probably just fire him. Let's just let's cut that cord. Let's just move on there, right? Detroit, Dan Campbell was super-duper fun in August. Not so much now. Now we're at a point where it's just like, okay, you're one and four. Like, it, 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 honestly, Detroit's a lot like how I thought about the Sabres. Vibes only get you so far. Like, eventually, you just got to start winning games. They're not a bad team. And yet, some of the decision-making there is just, it is stunning It how bad it can be. Their, their shutout against New England is probably the number one look for that of just, okay, like at a certain point, your your team does not have Patrick Mahomes or Josh Allen. Just take the points. Take a win on a drive. And they just never would. And they were getting shut out. And then and then their defense is just not good. Just flat out not good. Arizona, I hate almost everything about that team. I I hate almost everything about that team. I'm a I'm a big Big 12 football guy. Obviously, as many uh who listen know I'm a Texas fan. 
So I've watched um, too many Big 12 games, many will say. Um, that includes Texas Tech under Cliff Kinsbury. Dude should have never been a head coach in the NFL. I, I don't know how often I have to say that. He literally should have never been a head coach in the NFL. Yet here we are. Now I think we're finally getting to the point of, okay, like that might be over with pretty soon. Maybe not right now, but pretty soon it feels like that's over with. Kyler Murray, I have not a ton of faith in him at all. Their defense is pretty good. They're getting DeAndre Hopkins back. They've got uh, Robbie Anderson as well. They could be interesting. New Orleans, Andy Dalton's, I guess, their starting quarterback now, or it looks like he's going to be. Hate that. Seattle, Geno's fun. Geno Smith is fun. I thought Seattle was going to be just atrocious this year, and they've proven me wrong. They're 3-3. Three and three. Geno Smith is looking like one of the best quarterbacks in football, and he is absolutely one of the best stories of the past few years of just a guy who highly touted coming out of West Virginia, fell in the draft of the second round, went to the Jets during their heyday of complete garbage, and he's been awesome in Seattle in a year where most people, including myself, I said it the night that DK Metcalf signed his extension. I thought it was a bad idea for DK because I thought he's going to want out of there soon, like very soon. And instead, why would he want out now? Geno's awesome. Green Bay, completely broken. I mean, just completely broken. The Chiefs lost Tyree Kill, and they still look really good. They still look really, really good. Green Bay loses Devontae Adams. Their offense can't move the ball. And to a certain extent, this is on in, on Green Bay's front office as well. I, I think they're one of the worst-run organizations in sports that has lucked their way into two Hall of Fame quarterbacks. That's a conversation for a different day. But their just unwillingness to like really look hard at the offensive side of the ball and really pour resources into it has limited them immensely in the later years of Aaron Rodgers' career. Because when, when he was in his heyday, it was, their defense was terrible. But they kept employing Mike McCarthy. They never really tried to bring in a new head coach, new system, anything. It just it was, it was a hamster wheel. It was terrible. And now we're at a point here where Devontae Adams breaks out in the second round. He's, he's spectacular. Maybe has the best connection with Aaron Rodgers for anybody in his career. And it doesn't matter. They flounder in the playoffs. And now... They're probably going to make the playoffs, but it's completely up in the air. Like, they're three and three. They're in a weak NFC division. They'll, I think they'll make the playoffs, but getting there is just it, it, they're going to do a kicking and screaming the whole way. Then you go to the LA Rams. Matt Stafford, as much as I am a big Matt Stafford fan, I was a believer when he went to the Rams. I was very excited, and I and I love that he won a Super Bowl. I loved it. Because I thought it put a lot of context into his career in Detroit. Now I'm more looking at it going, oh, all right. He's still, he's like that Detroit Matt Stafford was still a thing. He throws a lot of picks and a lot of pick sixes. And their offensive line technically is a a unit. It's technically a unit. They They will line up five offensive linemen every week, I think. That's it. That's all I've got. And then they've got Cooper Cup. But even with Cup, they're far too reliant on him. They are far too reliant on him, which I think is why like, you do have some people look at Cooper Cup and just not be totally sold on him being the best receiver in football because Green Bay, totally, almost singularly reliant on Devontae Adams. They were 13 wins every year. 
Cooper Cup, they're solely relying on him. They were 11 last year, and now this year it's completely up in the air how many wins they'll have. It's not great. Atlanta, I thought this was a tank year. They're okay. They run the ball a lot, but it, it still feels like a tank year. The Giants, they're 5-1, and one, and, the, and the Giants really begin the whole, do I trust anybody? I mean, come on, be serious. I, I love the job Brian Dable's done. But even in the NFC, I think in, in the come playoff time, come January, we're thinking Daniel Jones is going to beat out like even some of these like mediocre-ish quarterbacks in the NFC. I don't. With that being said, though, with how the NFC is, it's not that I think that they can just carry this into you know a twelve-win season. I don't. But it feels more of a. All right, they'll be fine. But they're five and one, and I think they're just fine. A lot of that is their quarterback play. I think Saquon Barkley and surprisingly a very good defense has been the problem for a lot of teams to deal with. But they're limited still by their quarterback. And that continues on with the other team that's 5-1, and one, the Minnesota Vikings. You can only go so far with Kirk Cousins. You can only go so far. He is one of the best 1 o'clock quarterbacks out there. But you put him in the playoffs on primetime. He's trash. He's not good. He falls apart. He's also like kind of like the diet version of Russell Wilson where he's just kind of, you don't really take him all that seriously. He kind of just does dorky stuff and you're like, all right, like this, this is, this is a bit much. It's very cringy. I, I can't take you seriously. Even the stuff he did in Washington of the, you like that, you like that. Stop. What was that? Even at the time, people judged him for it and kind of made fun of him, and it still sticks. It still sticks to this day when he's in Minnesota. And that's not the only reason I can't take them seriously. His numbers prove it, that he's not very, he's terrible in, in primetime, not even just not very good. He's abysmal in primetime. I, I, so they're 5-1 and one as well. I can't take them seriously. Tampa, 3-3, three and three, they look nearly as broken as Green Bay. Green Bay worse off because they were truly one-trick pony with Devontae Adams in terms of their passing game, and now that he's gone, they have no idea what to do. But they're pretty close, especially because Tom Brady, it's every week now we're getting a new story of something's going on in his personal life, or he's doing something where he's leaving the team facility, and, and the team continues on without him, and then he's going to show up at the game. I'm, this is a pointless year for him to have shown up. It will be a completely forgotten year. Yes, in 10, 15 years, we will all barely remember the fact that he went from retired to unretired and played again, only to probably retire at the end of this year, because this year is just going to be a nothing burger. It is exactly like Michael Jordan and Washington. Why are we doing this? Let's just move on to the next chapter. Honestly, I would imagine that's kind of how Tampa Bay feels too. They would have loved to have just moved on to the next chapter. Instead, he came out of retirement, a ton of stuff about that, and here we are. They're not a very good team. They don't look like they can even close compete with teams like Kansas City and Buffalo in a potential Super Bowl matchup. Let alone even this year, even though they beat Philadelphia last year in the playoffs, I think Philadelphia would walk all over them this year with their running game and their defense being as spectacular as it is. Moving on to San Francisco, Jimmy Garoppolo is the starting quarterback. I get it. Trey Lance may not have been that good until his injury. I get it. I don't trust Jimmy Garoppolo long-term. There's not a chance. There is not a chance. He, you've already seen him in the Super Bowl. Same with Jared Goff. And in his moment where he had to make a play, he could not do it. 
and he's not good enough to just make plays. He's good enough to get you in a situation where you need him to, and he can't do it. That's the quarterback Garoppolo is. Dallas, the Cooper Rush thing's over with. I'm stoked about that. But outside of that, their defense is great. I can't trust Mike McCarthy. And now that Dak's back, I like Dak as a quarterback, but I'm worried that the team now is going to think they can throw the ball over the yard, and that's just not that's not them. They are a team that can win a balanced game, and now they have a better quarterback in Dak. I think they could be very good this year. But same vein is kind of with Kirk Cousins. I don't know if I can trust Dak in the playoffs. Or, you know, in a really serious game against another marquee name. I don't know if I can trust him. And then Philadelphia. Philadelphia is probably the one team I'm closest to, like, fully trusting. They're probably the closest. Obviously, they're undefeated, so that plays a bit of a role into, like, why I trust them. But a lot of it also just comes from the fact that they are beating up on teams. They're 6-0. and They beat the Lions 38-35. They beat the Vikings, who's another 5-1 and team, 24-7. They beat Washington 24-8. Jacksonville 29-21 in a rainstorm. Arizona 20-17, and just recently Dallas 26-17. My issue, though, is as much as I like Jalen Hurts, he's doing a lot of it running the ball. And passing-wise, he's just he's he has not taken that next step that I feel like he is going to. Like, he has just proven throughout his career he will take these next steps. But for right now, he has not taken that next step into the realm of, okay, now you're one of the league's you know top 10 passers. But right now he's got six passing touchdowns. And even then it took three interceptions from Cooper Rush for them to convincingly beat the Cowboys. And even then it wasn't really convincingly. And I look at this, and a lot of this also came from the fact that I watched, you know, obviously Bill's Chiefs on Sunday. And while the AFC itself is probably also not that convincing outside of those top two, I think the NFC for me, though, the fact that there is not that one team, even with the records being in play, I get it. You know, Philadelphia six and zero, but even with that in play, I'm still sitting here going, I don't know. I don't think so. I think they're really good. They're probably going to lead the league in wins, and I think they could be another team that you know is a one seed, leads the league in wins, and is out in the divisional round that they host at home. That's the kind of feeling I get from the Philadelphia Eagles right now. Now that could turn around, and, and all of a sudden, Hurt starts throwing the ball over the yard, and he starts running as well, and he basically looks like a, a, a more mature and better version of Kyler Murray. That could absolutely happen. But for right now, that's where I'm at. And for right now, there's not a single team in the NFC I truly trust. A lot of it is quarterback play. A lot of it is just overall, I think their conference is just bad. And and, and the just slightly better teams are taking advantage. We're going to take a quick timeout and we come back. The NBA season is well, tipped off last night, and the New York Knicks are getting their season started, along with some playoff baseball. The Yankees are getting going against the Houston Astros and the Padres with an absolute barn burner, seven unanswered runs. They took the lead over the Phillies. We'll talk a little bit about that when we come back as we wrap up the nightcap here on WGR. Welcome back. I'm going to wrap up the show here just talking a little bit about playoff baseball. The the NBA is back, which, like, I like the NBA. I'm much more of a college basketball guy, but I love the playoffs. 
But, you know, I mean, the Knicks are getting started tonight. They're going up against Memphis. John Morant is one of the most exciting players in the NBA right now. But to playoff baseball, obviously, you know, they're in the playoffs. That's far more important. New York Yankees are getting themselves underway against the Astros. Game one of the ALCS, a very exciting matchup just because, you know, well, it's kind of a tough one. I mean, it's, that is a matchup that's kind of just been brewing a little bit. I think a little bit under 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 the radar a little bit of, okay, those two teams kind of make sense, especially in the AL, which obviously I mean, the last two standing, but they were the top two seeds. Houston with 106 wins, the Yankees with 99, Cleveland couldn't hit, they were the third with 92, Toronto with 92 as well, they're a bit of a disappointment. But then even in the NL, some of like your, you know, maybe some of the better teams in that conference, gone. The Dodgers, gone. The Mets, gone. Atlanta, gone. It's down to Philadelphia and the Padres. But Houston and New York are exciting. I like that. There, there's a little bit of that rivalry as well. But right now, the Padres won on a seven unanswered run, five runs in the fifth, one in the seventh. And they're leading eight to four right now. And it feels and, and that feels good. Josh Allen, number one, Bills quarterback. He's actually at the game as well. But I think I think if I'm rooting for any team to win the World Series this year, it is absolutely the Padres. It is absolutely, without a doubt, the San Diego Padres. Number one would be really fun to see a, another team again win the World Series without their best player playing. I think that would just kind of be fun. And also, I, I've talked a little bit about the Padres very quickly. That they seem to be this team for years that was just a forgotten entity in like all of sports. Looking at baseball, the Cubs and the Mariners had that history of sort of like they're the losers. Like that, like that's who they were. The Cubs were the lovable losers, and then the Mariners were just bad decisions in you know the greatest regular season ever out in the first round. The Padres were just kind of forgotten. Like that was that mm. They're the team in San Diego. They don't spend a ton of money. They're not going to be very good. Oh, and Tony Gwynn was on their team. He, he was really good. He was really good, but their team was bad. Now all of a sudden, the Padres are just loaded with talent. Even with Fernando Tatis suspended, they have Juan Soto. They have Manny Machado. And it's just it, like it feels like, all right, they're on their way. And now, if they can close it out, they're in the eighth inning now. They can close that out. And they've got a shot here. I like that team. They've made so many moves to put themselves in a position of they can win it, that they can be that team. And those moves are starting to pay off. And then on the Yankees side, it feels like they need to win this year. Like Houston, they, they've got their wins. Like this is fine. The Yankees, though, have not won a World Series since 09. And with the judge conversation, well, yeah, it's expected he's going to wind up back in New York. I'd be stunned if he didn't. There is this feeling of, all right, well, if, if you don't win a World Series soon with all this supposed talent you have, maybe you do have to think about potentially blowing it up because maybe this model just is not going to work. We're starting to get to that range where it's like, eh, maybe you should blow it up. Maybe it's just not working. But right now, I mean, it's game one. In the bottom of the first, 0-0, zero, zero, no, no, you know, no harm for no foul. And the Padres. The team I'm I'm kind of rooting for in this playoffs to win. They're winning eight four. I I you know I couldn't be happy. And if if you care about the basketball score to start, the Knicks are down twelve to seven. Just a few minutes into the first quarter, that's going to do it here on the nightcap for a Wednesday. Tomorrow we have an extended show. We're going to go from seven to eight thirty. We're going to lead you into Sabres pregame as the Sabres take on the Calgary Flames at nine thirty. Pregame will start right after the nightcap tomorrow night 
at 8.30. Thanks for listening. This has been the Nightcap here on WGR. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.